Ladies and gentlemen, I'm standing before you with something important to say. With some trepidation, I crave your attention, but I'm not going to let anything get in my way. The message is simple. It's straight from the heart. And I know that you've heard it before, but what does it matter? We're in it together. And I'm not quitting while people are crying for more. People want peace. People want peace. A simple relief from their suffering. People want peace. Our friend Paul McCartney wrote that song, 2018. People want peace, a simple relief from their suffering. They want the absence of conflict in their world, in some of the closest relationships that they have. They maybe want the absence of conflict, not just out there, but inside. What's going on inside their heart, inside their soul, the the turmoil they feel. They crave a sense of of tranquility, or an inner rest. One might even say that when people want peace, what they really want is that all of life is exactly the way it's supposed to be. Think on that for a minute. Peace is when life, all of it, is exactly the way It's supposed to be. People want peace. The sad truth is, they don't have it. Or at least few do. They seek peace, but the sad reality is, is that few find it. So that's the question this morning. Where is true, lasting peace Found. And how can such peace be not only found, but pursued, enjoyed, expressed, experienced? How can peace be pursued in our relationships? How can peace be pursued in our circumstances, in our thoughts, and in our actions? Really, our whole way of life. How can peace be pursued? How can life be the way it's supposed to be? Paul is concluding his letter to the Philippians. We've been in it for quite some time now. If you want to grab your Bibles and open up, I'm going to invite Alicia Rowe to come forward. She's going to read the Scripture passage this morning, reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 2-9. through 9. So let's turn our attention to her as she reads. Our passage this morning is from the New Testament book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 2 through 9. This is the word of the Lord. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women 
who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you grateful for the provision of your word uh, this morning. Speak to us, nourish us, teach us, and of course, give us the grace that we need. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Open our eyes and ears and change us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. What did the angels sing at Jesus' birth? Do you remember? You know, we're coming up on Christmas, y'all. You better remember. What did the angels sing at Jesus' birth? Well, if you forgot, I'll tell you. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And what did Jesus tell his disciples before he suffered? He said this, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen? What did Paul tell the Romans? Their justification by faith in Jesus included. He said this, Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And what did Paul tell the Ephesians? Since, uh, what did Paul tell the Ephesians? That Jesus' death secured for both Jews and Gentiles alike. Anyone that has embraced Jesus by faith. What did he tell them? This is what he said. For he himself, speaking of Jesus, is our peace who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. I'm just giving you a sampling, friend. If you want to know where the source of peace is, don't be confused any longer. Don't question it any longer. The Bible gives us a clear picture, a clear direction as to where true lasting peace is found, and it is found in the person of Jesus Christ. If you're looking for peace today, I don't know where you're looking for it. In what way? 
where you expect to receive it from. But the Bible is super clear, and it is wonderful news. Not only is peace able to be found, but it is it tells us where it's found. In one person, his name is Jesus. Are you looking for true, lasting peace today? In the midst of your life, in the midst of your sorrows, in your struggles, in your circumstances, in your relationships, whatever you face, are you looking for peace in the world? Understand this. It has been secured and it is given in one person. True, lasting peace is found in the person of Jesus Christ. I want you to hear that this morning. That is super important. I don't want it assumed. Paul's about to give a bunch of instructions to the Philippians. He's about to give a bunch of instructions to each and every one of us as he concludes this letter. But I don't want you to think for one moment that those instructions are not built on a solid gospel foundation. That peace has been secured and provided and is given in the person of Jesus. Peace with God, peace in your soul, peace in life, peace for eternity is in Jesus Christ. Hear it, receive it, turn to Him in faith and trust Him and receive true lasting peace. You hear that? That foundation must be laid. It must be heard. All to-dos are built upon the good news. What we are called to do is based on what God has already done for us. God provides what He prescribes. It's super important for you to hear that. And I am showering you, and I am in full intensity maze mode, but I want you to hear it. And there's so much more that I want to say. There's so much more that maybe I should say. But I just want you to simply understand that peace has been secured for all of God's people who turn to Christ in faith. If you are craving peace and you know Jesus, I want you to hear this. You have it. It's been given. It's been secured. It's a matter now of appropriating. It's a matter now of, of integrating. It's a matter now of, as we sang, constantly depending upon Him to receive and to live and to pursue such peace in our daily lives. Am I clear? True, lasting peace is found in one person. Jesus Christ. Turn to Him in faith and receive peace. Amen? Amen. Now, having received peace from God through Jesus by faith, now we're called to apply such peace in our lives. So the instructions now that we see in verses 2 through 9 are built on that foundation. And these people knowing Christ have the spirit, the spirit of peace that enables them to live a life of peace. So the question becomes, in what ways are we instructed to pursue peace in our lives? The main idea of the morning is this. Having peace with God, we are called to pursue peace in life. Having peace with God, we are called to pursue peace in life. 
the question becomes, in what ways? How can we pursue peace in our lives? Well, the first one is this. I'm going to give you three paths in which we pursue peace. Are you ready? Come on. You've got to raise up to my intensity. I woke up at six hyper. You know, some days I wake up like, Ooh, I woke up hyper today. So come with, let's do this, okay? All right, we might miss the Steelers game because this is a long message today. Are you ready? Who's ready? All right, three paths in which we pursue peace. God calls us to pursue peace in our relationships. I want you to hear that this morning. In our relationships, what does he say? He entreats two people. He doesn't just say entreat once. He entreats, he says entreat twice. I entreat Uodia and I entreat Syntyche. I entreat both of them to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women. Friends, he is telling them, uh, these two individuals, to pursue peace, to be reconciled. Clearly, we don't know the totality of the situation, but there is a disagreement that is occurring between these two Christians in the Philippian church. Paul's addressing it, and he's saying It's not okay for this disagreement to continue to fester. And really what's happening here is it's it's festering in such a way, we presume, that division will occur. You remember one of the main themes of 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 this book is unity. That they have fellowship with one another in Christ. Pursue unity. And so he's saying, man, we cannot... Overlook this. We can't shove it under a rug, you two. We have to find a way, empowered by the Spirit, because of the peace secured in Christ, to agree in the Lord. We must agree in the Lord. That doesn't mean that we agree on every single thing always. It just means that our disagreements, those that are secondary and tertiary to what the ultimate things that really matter, we're going to let some of those things kind of chill out and die down. We're not going to divide over these things. We are going to agree in the Lord. And so he encourages them to pursue a like-mindedness. Paul is calling them to a commonality of mind, Tony Marita points out. Unity is important. Peace in our relationships in the body of Christ are super critical to the health of a church and to the Uh, promotion of the gospel in the world. These two must agree in the Lord. And I wonder if there's anybody here that is wrestling even in this local church with some disagreements or even some annoyances that maybe even cause uh, even some subtle withdrawal from community, something that's unresolved. Maybe your preference is is not being emphasized or appreciated to the degree that you want to. And maybe it's just these little disagreements over time that are building up with you and somebody else in this congregation understand. Those things can grow and cause division. He's saying, no, don't do that. Uodia and Syntyche, please agree in the Lord. Brothers and sisters at renovation, agree in the Lord. And I love what he goes on to say. He says, you also, my true companion, you're to help these women. We don't know who the true companion is. There's a bunch of theories about that. But what's interesting is, 
is that people who are not connected to the disagreement are called to enter into the situation and assist them in pursuing unity. What he's basically saying is, is that the body of Christ is called to live in such a way that we are intentionally assisting one another in the pursuit of peace in the body of Christ. That our lives are structured in an intentional way to help one another agree. You also, my true companion, you're to help these women. So I wonder, you say, no, nah, I'm good. I'm all set. Nobody's under my skin. This verse don't apply to me. You also, friends in the church, how are you observing relationships? How are you at work at a, at a minister and agent of reconciliation? In the, is your life structured in such a way that it prayerfully, intentionally, with your time, with your emotion, uh, structured your life in such a way to help other people pursue unity in the body of Christ. You know, every week we gather as mission, in missional communities. We gather for breakfast and coffee. We have each other in our homes. All, those, all that's doing is promoting peace and reconciliation and agreement and conversation. It's good. Continue to do that. We are called to assist each other in the pursuit of of Christian unity, in the pursuit of Christian peace. So I'll ask again, are there issues in relationships here? Any disagreements? Any annoyances? Any preferences that you can't let go of? Any secondary issues that you're elevating at the expense of unity? Don't allow the devil to get a foothold in your life or in this community. Friends, we're at peace. Let's pursue peace. Amen? Friends, it would be a mistake for us to not take a minute and notice the way in which Paul talks to these two people and talks about these two individuals in the church at Philippi. These are two women. For Paul, women that were worthy to be named. Worthy of being assisted in their relationship and in their disagreements. Their disagreement was so important to Paul and so significant that it would impact the whole. Paul calls these women fellow laborers. Reminds me of the kind of relationship that Pastor John Newton had with one of his trusted parishioners, Betty Abraham. This is what he says. Betty Abraham is gone. She had died. We prayed for her continuance, yet we could not keep her, nor is it fit that we should. My desire is to say, Thy will be done. Yet, I feel as if I had lost my right hand. She was a mother in our Israel. The Lord had given her the tongue of the learned, a wise and tender spirit. She was exceedingly useful, especially to the lambs of the flock. John Newton, just like Paul, and just like us, recognize the significance 
and the value of women in the context of a local church. So women, I know it's secondary to what's primarily going on in the passage, but I want you to see that, that you're important, that you're instrumental, that you are uh, very much a part of the body of Christ. I know the narrative is that Christianity is oppressive to women, but I want you to understand that true Christianity is anything but that. That Paul here is affirming the gospel partnership and ministry of these women. That John Newton, 300 years ago, is affirming the usefulness, the exceeding usefulness of women in the body. And we want to do the exact same thing here in, to be consistent with what true Christianity is about. Having peace in our relationships. That's what he calls us to. But not only relationships, God calls us to pursue peace in our circumstances. In our circumstances. Verses 4 through 7. Start like this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'm going to say it, rejoice. First of all, the Christian pursues peace in circumstances by clinging to their unshakable joy in the Lord. That's what a Christian does in the midst of their circumstances. Especially when their circumstances stink. Circumstances have no ability to take away your relationship with God in Christ Jesus. Amen? They have no ability to do that. Circumstances cannot strip you of your covenant bond with Christ. They cannot do that. So no matter what we are dealing with, the gospel of Jesus Christ, when embraced, provides for us a solid basis for joy. It calls us to joy. Rejoice in the Lord, always. Again, I say rejoice. Notice he does not say rejoice in your horrible life. He's saying rejoice in the Lord. No matter how difficult your life can get, no matter how low it is, and understand, Paul is not minimizing your suffering and your sorrow. He understands it. Remember, he's in prison. But what he's saying is, no matter how low, no matter how difficult, no matter how horrible it feels, he understands that. That Jesus, you are still in a covenant bond with Christ Jesus. That all that you need for joy has been given unto you in your relationship with him. So rejoice in the Lord, always. Again, I say, rejoice. We must not, we must be careful to not misunderstand or twist what joy is. Joy is not some superficial happiness that is tied to our circumstances. It is not some sentimental positivity that minimizes or ignores our realities. You know, there's a lot of super spiritual people out there. You ever run into one of those? Like, they've gone through or some horrible thing, or maybe someone in their life is just dealing with a, a, such a tragedy, and you can somewhat appreciate their, their leaning into the Lord, but it's almost like this brother or sister's out of touch with reality. Like they need to weep with those who weep. You know, like they're just kind of out of touch. Yeah, Paul's not saying be out of touch with your reality or be out of touch with somebody else's reality. 
Weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. Enter into other people's suffering. Don't minimize it. Don't super spiritualize it. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying no matter what this life throws at us, no matter how difficult it is, nothing can take away the joy that we have in Jesus Christ. So he says rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. That's what, how we pursue peace, by clinging to the joy that we have in the Lord. Second of all, the Christian pursues peace in circumstances by controlling their emotions. Verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. That word for reasonableness, sometimes translated gentleness, or somebody called it gentle forbearance. What is going on there? In the midst of your circumstances, as you await for the return of the Lord, the Lord is at hand. What is everyone to see when the roller coaster hits, when the chaos uh, continues? He says this. I think Calvin did a good job at clarifying. He says, it denotes a moderation of spirit. This means that when stuff goes down, We don't panic. We don't push others around. In some ways, the Christian pursues peace by controlling their emotions with temperance. We don't overreact one way or the other because we know. We know the Lord. We're pursuing peace. We understand he's at work. We know the nature of this life can be difficult. We don't need to overreact and lose our cool to panic. He's saying when life is wild and chaotic, may the Spirit of God enable you to live in a posture of gentle forbearance through the circumstance and also in relationship to others, right? May they see it. May they see it. Let your reasonableness, let your gentle forbearance, let your moderation of spirit be known to everyone. That's how we pursue peace in our circumstances. You are looking at a professional panicker. So this spoke to me, right? Spoke to me. Let your reasonableness, let your gentleness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And third, and most of all, the Christian pursues peace in all circumstances by praying to the Father. Man, there are so many reasons to be anxious in our chaotic world. Am I exaggerating? People are struggling today big time. Anxiety levels are through the roof. The pace of our world, the economic conditions with inflation... I mean, we went to Wegmans yesterday. It's like three bags and three hundred forty-eight dollars. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, we bought three bags of shrimp. Anyway, not we didn't do that. The point is, life is expensive right now. You watch the news, and there's conflict, there's concern all over the place. 
think about just the conversations Doreen and I have. It's like, have we ever just sat down and relaxed and enjoyed? Like, what's our next move? What's our next logis- like logistics? Who's picking up this person? Who's doing that? What are we going to do here? When's it? It's like, I just want to like, put my head in the toilet and flush. Right? Our love life has to be more than logistics. Someone say, preach. 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 Life is chaotic. It's crazy. You know? Text messages, emails, you know, notifications going absolutely nuts, conflict in some of our relationships, the choices that we have to make. Should I do this? Should I do that? We don't know. And the process of decision making that takes place, the health concerns that we have. Every one of my toes is a different color at the age of 44. What is happening? Like, literally, like, there are anxieties related, I'm being silly, but there are non-silly medical things that we're dealing with. People are hurting physically. They have financial stresses. And in the midst of all of that, what does the Bible say? Rejoice in the Lord always. What does it say? Don't be anxious about anything. Like, what world is Paul living in? Is he tone deaf? Is he out to lunch? Sometimes, you know, you hear these commands and it's just like you put your head on the table. Like, what in the world? He says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't forget what Jesus said too. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Don't be anxious. In some ways, he's trying to say, there's no need for us to do that. Why? Because there's a pathway to peace. There's a pathway to peace, and that's prayer. Prayer is the antidote to the poison of anxiety. Prayer is the pathway to peace. Again, I am a professionally anxious person. Like, you know, I'm always biting my fingernails and worrying about what about this and what about that. And I just, you know, I have a hard time chilling. I've got like, you know, my neck, I can't move my neck to the right or left. It's just, it's just tension, y'all. That's all it is. Okay. I got issues is really what it is. And it's been sometimes like a cycle. Like I'm anxious about being anxious sometimes, just worried about the next thing. Super intense, triple A battery, my personality. And this verse has always just been like, oh, I can't seem to get over the hump. I know I'm saved. I know I'm filled with the Spirit. But like I just, my wheels keep turning. You, you ever feel that? My wheels just keep turning. And I can't chill. And um, uh, I love what Paul Miller's book, A Praying Life, highly recommend that book. If you haven't read it, Praying Life. He says about anxiety. He, he understands the, the, that it's, it's, it's not helpful. But at the same time, he kind of gives a positive spin on it, which I thought was super helpful. He says, instead of fighting anxiety, we can use it as a springboard to bending our hearts to God. Instead of trying to suppress anxiety, manage it, or smother it with pleasure, uh-oh, we can turn our anxiety toward God. He says, as your heart or your circumstances generate problems, keep generating prayer. Think about it this way. Every time you feel that, to whatever degree it is, 
Every time, it's like a notification. Ding. Trust the Father. It's almost like the Lord has put a mechanism in us that tells us to pray. It's almost like there's a physiological response to stuff we can't handle. Because as we sang, Lord, I need you. We always need God. We always need the Father. Let's remember who we are. We are children of the Father. We're always living in constant dependence on our Father. And it, we go through life and we, we get confused. We think we've got it. We've got it under control. We can manage it. We'll just work harder, do better. We'll do it faster, more efficient. We'll strategize. And we live a life neglecting the source of peace. And we think we're just going to do it on our own. But then all of a sudden, anxiety, ding, ding, ding. It's like every time you feel that, it's a notification that says, talk to me. Pray. Bring it to me. I can handle it. I'm not anxious. I'm the God of peace. I can handle anything. I can actually handle everything at all times. At every single moment in all that you're dealing with, you have an opportunity and an invitation and a privilege to pursue the Lord in prayer and dump it all on his lap and say, you deal with it. You take care of it. I trust you. And so anxiety is an an internal notification. Don't forget, you need me. Endure it. Bend it to the Father. So what is the source of your anxiety today? What is the source of your fears? What are your concerns? Is it your spouse and conflict with them? Is it your husband, your wife? Is it your mom or your dad that are driving you insane? Is it your child that's driving you insane? Is it family dynamics? Is, what's your anxiety as a teenager? Your, your pressures as a college student, as a professional, a business owner, an employee at a very large or small company. What is it that brings pressure and anxiety to your life? Is it just life management and all the things you have to do even after work? What's your anxiety being single? And those dif- difficulties and challenges, maybe feeling alone. Whatever it is, Paul's saying, don't be anxious. Bring it to God. Put it at His feet. Trust His Father. And when you do, here's the promise. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, peace is found down the pathway of prayer. Pray. This is a call to prayer as a people. This is a call to prayer as a church. I don't want to over-promise and undeliver for 2024, but I think uh, that the Lord is calling us to a deeper sense and also a, a more frequent practice of prayer as a church. I don't know what that means for the church calendar and schedule. I don't know yet. But friends, we need to pray more as a church. We need to pray more as a people. 
and not try to figure everything out on our own, right? We're looking again at, at another $60,000 deficit for next year. Do we just, oh, make a few phone calls, send out some letters, hope for the best? Are we praying as a church? I could go on and on. This is a call, an invitation to experience the blessing of bending our lives to the Father in heaven. Let's do that together. Let's pursue peace in our relationships, and let's pursue peace in our circumstances. Last, he calls us to pursue peace in our thoughts and our actions. I'll try to wrap this up as quick as I can. In these final verses, we see Paul instructing the Philippians in our thoughts and our actions. He says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything of excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Friends, correct me if I'm wrong, but our peace is tied to our mind. Our peace is connected to the things that we think about. He's saying, make a decision about what you think about. There are things that you should be thinking about, and there are things that you should not be thinking about. He says, think about what is true. Think about what is honorable, what is just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. This is a call on the Christian to intentionally focus their mind on good and godly things. You can only think about one thing at a time. A lot of multitaskers here, right? Raise your hand if you think you're really good at multitasking. Okay, we have some confident people here. Some of you are like, I, I know I'm good, but I ain't going to say anything. <laughs> right? Some of you raise your hand and, and your spouse is like, um, no. <laughs> uh, your friend is like, nice try, pal. How many of you can think about two things at the, at the same time? You, you're lying. Can't do it. Can't do it. You can, only, you can only think about one thing at a time. I mean, I understand there might be like, milliseconds so you can kind of move back and forth but Paul is protecting us here he's saying assuming we can only think about one thing at a time think about this think about these things think about good and godly things right it's hard to think about though it's hard to think. man yeah I'm going to have my mind Focused on good and godly things, right? How does one think about pure things in such a sexualized world? Everywhere we go. Pornography is killing people in marriages. It's destroying brains. It's, you talk about an epidemic, pandemic, whatever you want to call it. Pornography is destroying people. That's where their mind is. It's making them into different people. But don't think for one minute, just because you're not looking at pornography, that, oh, my mind's on good and godly things. You don't need pornography to get lost in this sexualized society. It's everywhere. So I think, how do we think about what is lovely and pure in this disgusting world? 
Man, only by the Spirit, right? How can we consider true justice when it is so misunderstood and distorted? There's so many messages about justice. How would you think about what is just? How do you think about what is true? It's not here. Have less confidence in it. If it's here, put all your hope, faith, and confidence. This is what is true. Okay? You want to think about good and godly things? Get your eyes on this word, on this book. Point is, look to God, look to His Word, look to the Gospel, look to other people. Some of us are lost in staring in the mirror all the time. Me, me, me. I think the Lord calls us to consider Him and others. Love God, love neighbor. Those are good and godly things. Let's turn our attention to him. Then he goes on to say, not only focus your mind on godly things, he says, model your actions on godly people. Remember, Levi talked about this last week. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I saw somebody post some silly quote yesterday. We're called to be like Christ, not other Christians. (laughs) I chuckle. Uh, I appreciate the sentiment. We are called to be like Jesus. Amen? We are called to conform to the image of Christ. But I'm like, he hasn't read Philippians. Um, Last week, you know, consider their outcome. uh, Levi talked about consider the outcome of their way of life, looking to our leaders. All right? Um, He says, what you've learned, received, and heard, and seen in me, practice these things. Paul's example, Paul's doctrine, Paul's life. Model and practice these things. So he says, focus your mind on godly things. Model your actions on godly people. And then where's the assurance? And the God of peace will be with you. You hear that? The God of peace will be with you. What promise? What assurance? God calls us to pursue peace. Right? He calls us to pursue peace in our relationships, in our circumstances, in our thoughts and actions. And as we receive and pursue, what assurance to know that He'll be there. The God of peace will be with you. He's not abandoned you. Whatever your face Whatever sorrow and difficulty is deep and difficult, God's not abandoned you. He's with you. He loves you. He is peace. And He provides peace. Turn to Him. Trust in Him. Pray to Him. Right? Pursue this peace in your relationships. People want peace. People want peace. 
a simple relief from their suffering. People want peace. Well, they can only find it in one place. And that person is Jesus Christ. Amen? Having peace with God. We're called to pursue peace in life. Can we do that, church? That's good. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you for this word. We ask that you would grant us peace. We thank you that you have heard our cry for it and have provided it fully and perfectly in Jesus Christ. He is our peace. We rejoice in him. We look to agree in him. And we come to you as our Father, bending our whole lives to you. Give those here who are suffering from anxiety and fear and doubt, those who are hurting, who are dealing with such difficulty and loss, Lord, you are the God of peace. Would you be with each one today? We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.